A few years ago, I got the idea that I wanted my own brand for women to sell women's clothing and lingerie, but I had no idea where to get started. But then I found Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. One of the biggest obstacles for a first-time shop owner like me is having no e-commerce experience, but Shopify simplified everything so much that the site has become the least of my worries. From the graphic design aspect to making customer service super easy on my end, there's nothing you can't do. They give you everything you need to take control of your business, even as a beginner. Sign up now for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash for the girls, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash for the girls now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash for the girls. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I'm headed on a trip to Aruba, so I had to go on a huge shopping spree for all new summer clothes, so I know that's exactly how I would use the money I got from Earn In. So make Earn In a part of your financial routine and join Earn In's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earn In, I think about financial stability, security, it gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in For The Girls under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. For The Girls under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Settling is not an option for me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of For the Girls. I'm your host, Victoria Alario. And today we're talking about productivity guilt and feeling like you're not doing enough. This topic came to be because of actually Valentine's Day. I hope everybody had an amazing Valentine's Day, but I had Valentine's Day here at home and I spent basically two full days preparing for it, decorating, blowing up balloons, baking a cake, just getting everything in order. And I really got no work done. And so I really, really had like a huge sense of guilt in regards to that. And I think a lot of people experience those feelings when they take any time for their personal life or they do anything other than work. When you see like your tasks start piling up, you have things to do that you didn't get done in the time that you thought they would get done because you had something else to do outside of work, something for yourself. And then these feelings just come over of pure guilt. And what it really makes me think about just productivity as a whole is how important your mindset is around it. Because if you have productivity guilt, 
that's not coming from a good place. A good place would be like you're feeling self-motivated, you're feeling inspired, you're feeling excited, you're feeling generally good about getting shit done and you're looking forward to completing the tasks at hand. Maybe you're not even necessarily excited about your tasks, but you, you're just not feeling bad about them. You generally feel good about them as opposed to only being productive or getting things done because you feel bad. You know, like that productivity guilt is coming from anxiety. It's coming from feeling generally bad. And in those cases, you're not even being necessarily productive because you're just trying to get shit done for the sake of getting it done and because you're nervous or anxious that like it's not going to get done on time and whatnot. And when you do things like that and operate from that mindset and that headspace, that's when it leads to burnout. And I have a whole episode talking about, you know, stopping that hustle culture burnout because that's where this this uh, burnout stems from this. Only doing things because you feel like you have to or because you feel like you're coming from that place of scarcity or lack. Like if I don't get this done, then nothing is gonna work out. Like the sky is gonna fall. Like, you know, that feeling of I have to right now or something bad is going to happen. That causes major anxiety and operating like that ultimately, like I said, leads to burnout. So quite frankly, This fear of not being productive enough actually hinders our work, even though we think it's doing the opposite. We think just because, okay, I rushed, I finished on time, I got it done, that that means we're we're doing what we need to do. We're getting our job done. But why does it have to be get the job done or have your sanity? Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't we have both? Why can't we work efficiently and productively while keeping our sanity this is why I'm saying having that mindset of like I'm not doing enough I need to move faster I need to be more productive I can't take time to work on my things hinders our work because that mindset is making it more challenging for us to perform at our best ability if you have a negative mindset going on you're not going to perform at you know your highest potential you're going to start half-assing things and your heart is just not going to be in what you're doing And you're going to be doing it under almost like a microscope or a lens that you put on yourself. Because we don't even realize what we do to ourselves when we set big goals or when we start comparing ourselves to other people. Like what's happening is first like you feel like you're not achieving enough or accomplishing enough. And then you start to compare yourself to others who have done more or seem to just be further ahead of you. And then after that, you feel shame or you feel disappointment because you're not in that place. And quite frankly, you don't even know what place they're in. It's just what it seems like to you. It's just from the outside looking in. So it's a it's a vicious cycle of the negative mindset starts and then you start to feel like you're not doing enough and you're not where you want to be. So then you start to play the comparison game. You start to look at everybody else and now... You feel terrible about yourself, your self-esteem is lowered, your confidence is lowered, and you feel disappointed in yourself. But sometimes you're looking at someone's long-term plan or 10-year plan, and you're just like putting it into this small little bubble of like something that they're doing right now, and you have no idea how long it took them to get to that place. There's that saying that's like, 
uh, an overnight success took 10 years to build something of the sort like you might see somebody you guys know I always butcher the quotes I hear them and I vaguely remember them but I don't have them written down so I can't like say it perfectly but that saying is because they're saying like you might see somebody come out from nowhere this overnight success whether it's a singer or a content creator or a business that just came out like all of a sudden you know they were nowhere to be found and now all of a sudden they're all up in your face everywhere you look everyone's using them like the Stanley Cup for example that's something that everyone feels like came out quite literally overnight like it didn't exist and then all of a sudden everybody was talking about it but it's a business that existed for years prior right it's it was a hustle for years prior they were attempting to build it and then things changed you know one night over social media so that overnight success actually took years and years to build. So you might feel like you're not getting enough done because you're looking at the bigger picture when the truth is you can probably accomplish 10 times more on a regular basis if you would set up smaller, realistic, and more doable goals for yourself. Instead of looking at the goals of being like, I want to be a hit, I want to be a millionaire instead of looking at the big picture goals and the long-term goals focus on the short term and by short term I don't even necessarily mean six months I mean daily weekly monthly when you think about it if you prioritize small goals you're obviously more likely to check them off on a daily weekly or monthly basis rather than you know those big goals of like I want to get a million followers you're not going to have that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. That might take years. I mean, I've been growing my social media account since 2015, almost 10 years, and I don't even have a million followers. So if it's taking me even more than 10 years, then who's to say it would take anybody less than that per se? Some people never get there, and quite frankly, I might never get there, nor is it even really a goal for me at this point. It would be nice, but it's just not even a goal. But anyway, at one point, it was. So if I was working on a regular basis with that as my goal and that as my means and measure of success then I would have quit I would have been discouraged I would have been so disappointed so let down comparing to other people but that's like a lifetime goal not a daily realistic goal so when I was you know making or even still to this day when I do make my more doable goals I'm checking them off regularly because they're getting done and so now I'm self-motivated I feel better. I feel disciplined to say like, let me keep going because I'm accomplishing A, B, and C. And they might not be big, ginormous goals, but they could be the littlest things even down to like tidying up my apartment. But it just feels good knowing that I got it done. It just feels good being able to check something off of your to-do list. So setting these unrealistic, huge goals daily like all the time is just bound to be unattainable and it's bound to end up in disappointment not to mention this is also a big thing not to mention when did we start to think that the only way to be valuable or successful in life was by measuring our professional achievements or our career accolades like some people don't even you know I mentioned cleaning up my apartment as a goal you know The whole point 
is to just see myself check things off so that I could feel motivated within myself, not to look at other people for motivation, not to compare to other people, just to feel good, like I accomplished something. So why isn't that enough? Why do we feel like the only measure of success in life is professional or career achievements and accomplishments? Now, obviously, those things are super important. Our career, our finances, all of that is extremely important. But what if a productive day for you is just cleaning around the house? Like I said, what if a productive day is cleaning out your closet, updating your wardrobe, making piles of things to keep, get rid of, sell, donate, alter, like get tailored? What if a productive day for you is throwing things away from around the house that you don't need? Or what if a productive day for you is journaling and getting your mindset right and prioritizing that me time? And, and working on your mental health? What if a productive day for you is finishing a book that you started or working out or going grocery shopping or cooking a home-cooked meal and eating healthy? You know, these are all different examples. Sometimes those days are more effective for us than anything else because it gets our mindset back in the right place. It gets our head back on track. I know that I feel accomplished once I finish anything that I start no matter what it is. Even like I said, I spent two days getting ready for Valentine's Day and I just felt so good once it was all done. And none of that was productive for my work, my income, my career, my profession. So that right there just goes to show that you can feel good about yourself or feel accomplished just by simply finishing literally anything that you start. We feel accomplished once we see these things, once we see our house go from a mess to tidy and clean, we feel better. So I think that right there can satisfy our calling for productivity. When we feel unproductive, I really think that seeing, you know, the transformation, seeing the difference can scratch that itch, you know, instead of feeling guilty, like, oh, I didn't get XYZ done. It's like, ah, but I did get this done. That feels good. And then when that's done, we can work on those projects that we have for work. Then we could pick up on our business tasks so that we're starting on a positive note rather than a negative one of guilt. This way we're starting from feeling good and feeling productive and feeling accomplished from no matter how small of a goal it was that you completed instead of starting from that anxious place or that bad feeling of like, I'm not doing enough. I think if we can master operating from this place, this will help so much with our anxiety and also alleviate stress. I know that feeling all too well. You can't even enjoy yourself because your mind is in a million other places of what you have left to do or what you should be doing. Um, for me, you know, an example would be last week with my podcast. So I like to be finished recorded, recording and edited and, you know, uploaded and all that by Thursday. Um, and last week, my week was just busy. It didn't work out that way. So I started it on Thursday, but I didn't finish it on Thursday. And that was what, what my goal was. My goal was to be done that day because I was leaving on Friday for my weekend trip. I went away for my birthday for the weekend. And like I said, that didn't happen. I started Thursday, but I did not get to finish it. And then I left before it could be done. So Sunday night, when I got home at 9 p.m., mind you, my episodes go live at midnight because they go live every Monday at midnight, I had to finish recording and cram it all in in three hours from nine o'clock Sunday night to midnight 
I actually legit finished at midnight on the dot. I sent my boyfriend a picture of my computer screen when I uploaded the episode and it legit said 12 o'clock, 12 a.m. on the screen. And it's just a terrible feeling, that stress, because I was so stressed throughout the weekend, especially on Sunday. I was so anxious all day on Sunday that it wouldn't be done. But look, I got it done. The sky didn't fall, the world didn't end, an emergency didn't break out. Now granted, I don't recommend doing this at all. I do not recommend waiting till the last minute. I don't think that that's a good thing at all. But guess what? It happens sometimes. It just, it is what it is. I ended up having a busy day on Thursday and then I left on Friday and like that was that. Could I have found the time if I spread it out throughout the week, Monday through Thursday? Yes, I absolutely could have. But sometimes we don't get to work that way. Sometimes it just doesn't all work out perfectly in the way that we hope. And guess what? It doesn't make you any less than because of it. It doesn't decrease your value whatsoever because of it. Sometimes we just have an off week and maybe it sucked that I had to cram everything in Sunday night, you know, nine o'clock to midnight. But like I said, I got it done and it is what it is. It's fine. Life goes on. I don't feel any better or worse generally about myself. So we really need to identify what the source is of these feelings. Because for me, in that moment, it was all me. This was a self-inflicted belief. And I think it's very important that we can identify the source of those feelings, the guilt, the anxiety, the stress, the negative mindset, the fear around not doing enough or not being productive enough because it'll definitely teach us a lot. So you have to be able to answer the question, are these beliefs original or were they influenced by someone else? Like I just said, those beliefs for me were 100% original. So is your guilt, your anxiety, all that productivity guilt, is this internal or is it external? Did someone make you feel this way or is this all you? Do you make yourself feel this way? Maybe a, from, a former boss or business partner or a friend or a parent or a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or is it just you telling yourself, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not achieving enough. I'm not hardworking enough. So if it's external and these beliefs are influenced by someone else, you have to spot that right away and point it out. You could probably think back to examples of that exact moment, like what a boss or somebody specifically said to you in a certain, you know, moment when maybe you weren't performing to their standards. You have to realize something. Just because someone's trying to guilt trip you doesn't mean you're guilty, okay? Just because someone's trying to guilt trip you doesn't mean you're guilty. Just because someone's trying to pressure you doesn't mean that you need to feel the pressure, okay? Let me say that again. Just because someone's trying to pressure you doesn't mean you need to feel the pressure. So when you're feeling guilted or pressured by others, like I said, you have to identify that and you have to take a stand and decide what you're going to do with this. Are you going to take it or are you going to shut this down? If your expectations that you have on yourself don't align with their expectations that they have on you, identify that, figure that out, get aligned with them on what your goals are for yourself versus the goals that they seem to have decided for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around the weight of different stressors in life and no matter how big or small, when we keep them bottled up, 
it could start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can even be there to just empower you to be the best version of yourself or to also help you practice setting and enforcing boundaries too. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists if need be at any time for no additional charge. Therapy has never been made so easy before. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the girls today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash for the girls. We're all girls here, so I think it's safe to say we all agree that we mostly look forward to going home every day simply so we could take our bras off. We wear bras because we have to, not because we want to. But today's sponsor, Honey Love, just might be the thing that changes that for you. Say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that make you sweat. Honey Love has started a revolution of bras you actually want to wear. Their bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire altogether without sacrificing lift. Plus, they're made with fabric that's so soft, it'll feel like a second skin and you'll forget you're even wearing it. For a limited time, only you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash for the girls. Support my show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash for the girls. I personally started wearing Honey Love over the summer and was in shock of how comfortable I felt in their bra and shapewear. I'm a huge shapewear girly, especially for special occasions like a wedding to wear under a dress. And sometimes they're just so uncomfortable, too tight. They roll down, they roll up and end up becoming more of a burden than anything else. But I felt so confident wearing Honey Love. It was a totally new experience for me. And now I swear by them. So treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash for the girls. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash for the girls. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. And speaking of external guilt, this is another important part. Aside from somebody directly putting it on you, Our beliefs of guilt can also be influenced by someone, even if it's indirectly. Like I mentioned before, the comparison game. It is a deadly freaking game. You guys ever see the show Squid Game on Netflix and they like die? I feel like that's how brutal the comparison game is as well. Just deadly. It'll ruin you. And sometimes our source of guilt comes from there. It comes from others who aren't even doing anything to make us feel this way. But we're making ourselves feel this way by looking at them. We're comparing ourselves to others that make us feel jealous, that make us feel envious, that just creates an anxiety within us or that feeling of not doing enough. So when we play that comparison game and we look at what other people have or are doing or are accomplished or where they're at in life that make us feel that way, those negative feelings of jealousy or envy, it diminishes our self-worth and our self-esteem is absolutely gone. And yes, sometimes comparison is great if you have the right mindset 
you have to be in the right mindset to the point where when you are comparing to others, you're not comparing in a sense that you're like, wow, they're better than me or I don't have what they have or I want what they have. You see it as inspiration or motivation. Like you could put that shit on a vision board. It makes you feel good. You're like, I love that. That's my goal. But if that's not your mindset, if you struggle with comparison, maybe it's time to unfollow certain people. Maybe it's time to stop looking at the people who make you feel that way. And I say make you feel that way, but I really mean that make you make yourself feel that way. You know, it's important that you only look within to boost your self-esteem. It's really important that you only rely on yourself to build your motivation. Self-motivation will always outweigh influenced motivation. Not to mention the fact that I am like anti-motivation. I'm all about discipline. But if you are at least trying to build up your motivation or you're seeking sources to build up motivation, look inward. Let it be your self-esteem that drives you. Let it be self-motivation. And if you are going to look to other people, make sure that it's people that make you feel good about yourself, that make you feel inspired, rather than people that drive you for the wrong reasons, that make you feel negative, okay? It's called self-esteem for a reason. It's built within the self. Confidence is built from within. You should not be turning to others to give you motivation or to make you feel better about your self, okay? Self, self, say it with me now. Self, self-esteem, feel better about yourself. Self-love, self-care, confidence, okay? All these words. I'm gonna just keep saying it into your phone. Like, uh, you know, and you say uh, something to your friends, your family, you're having a conversation, and then that thing starts following you, like an ad, and now it starts popping up on Instagram, all over the place. Okay, that, that's me. I'm tapping into your phone right now, making sure that they could hear me. Self-love, self-esteem, confidence, okay? It's not others' esteem. It's not others' love. It's self-love. Now, if the beliefs are internal, because it was, this was all about external beliefs, influenced by other people, but if it's all just you talking to yourself negatively, and creating these, you know, beliefs originally from within your own mind. Let's combat that. We need to combat that negative internal dialogue, okay? Let's better that self-talk. And the real key to doing this is living consciously. You have to live life as consciously as you possibly can and mindfully to stop the negative self-talk. That subconscious living or unconscious living is no good. If you're living on autopilot mode, no good. Living on autopilot mode is going to have you constantly falling back into this trap, into this cycle. It's just going to keep going and going and there's going to be no signs of stopping. The more conscious and the more mindful that you are, the more empathetic you can be toward yourself and give yourself grace. There we go again with the self. Empathetic toward yourself and give yourself grace. This is really big with rest as well. I talk about that all the time. I always talk about rest. I'm just such a huge advocate for it, for taking time to rest, taking time listening to your body, relaxing. I believe just for everybody that your body will naturally call out to you when it needs that time, when it needs to relax. I think it sends signals. I mean, low energy, just feeling like depleted, maybe you have a little bit of brain fog, whatever it might be, but 
if you have this productivity guilt lingering over you, you're going to just completely disregard your body's natural need to relax. And it will ultimately take a toll on you. So if you're already feeling low energy, depleted energy, if you're already feeling fatigue and you disregard that, imagine how much worse it'll get. It'll show up on your face, your skin texture, your fine lines, your wrinkles, your under eye bags, your dark circles, your weight will fluctuate. This is a big one. If you don't get enough weight, uh, uh, rest, sorry, if you don't get enough sleep, this very much affects your weight. Your body will show whether that stress causes you to gain or lose weight. You'll see it, you know, evidently. Your energy, like I said, it'll be depleted. You'll just feel really low on a regular basis, even in the middle of the day when you're like, why am I so exhausted right now? Like, this doesn't feel right. You're going to have that brain fog and so on and so forth. Our body has a natural ability to relax for a reason, and that needs to be honored. We are not machines. We are not robots. We are not built to go, 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 go 24-7. And I'm someone who who used to think I was. I, I thought I was indestructible. I'm always able to reflect and call myself out on my own bullshit about how I was in the previous years. I was somebody who really glamorized hustle culture. I was somebody who really glamorized no sleep missing meals because I'm attached to the computer I can't get up I can't do anything other than work I was like glamorizing uh um not watching Netflix at points I got I was seeing Netflix as like the root of all evil like oh if you have three hours to binge watch a show then that's three hours that you could have put into your side hustle like you can't complain about having no money if you're watching a show on Netflix. Like, you know, I would repost, those weren't necessarily my quotes. I was like reposting those quotes from like business accounts because I firmly believed in them. And now, I mean, I don't know if it's just age. I don't know if maybe I just get more tired as I get older or if it's just a maturity, a mentality shift. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but now I could tell you for a fact that seeing Netflix as the root of all evil is absolutely not the way to be productive. That's not the only way, at least. Maybe for some people, it is one way. It certainly did work for me at the time because I built a very successful business and I made a lot of money. But for me, it just wasn't sustainable. It was only productive for a few years, but that couldn't go on for five, six, seven years. Like I, I would never be able to live life I would have no memories I would have no experiences and I would just ultimately be miserable so it's certainly not the only way to build a successful business because it wasn't even the way to build a sustainable one I think work-life balance is extremely important so I can promise you that you can nap you can sleep all night yes that's, that's both okay you can nap during the day and sleep all night just don't take your nap late at night. You're going to want to take your nap at least before 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. When I take those 3 o'clock naps, I completely fuck myself over. <laughs> 12, 1 o'clock, those are like the prime times to be napping. Um, in any case, you could nap, you could sleep, you could eat three meals in the day, you could catch up on your favorite show, you could binge watch your favorite show, all while also being successful in your career. And, and, and guess what? you'll feel so much better doing all of it too. You'll feel so much better having that me time, having that balance, taking care of your health. I promise you that taking care of your health, health, both mental and physical, will never be a bad thing. It will never harm you. I don't know why I thought like 
it was a cool thing to like miss lunch sometimes or like forget to shower during the day or like not sleep at night like there were definitely times where I would stay up working till four o'clock in the morning or there were times where I went to sleep at say midnight but then I was waking up at four in the morning like my sleep schedule was just so fucked so all over the place I, I don't I don't know I mean listen it's hard to really like completely bash it because like I said it did work for me at that time it's just super super unsustainable so take it from me as somebody who had no balance in life taking care of that prioritizing that balance focusing on your mental health focusing on your physical health spending time just decompressing and all that will never ever ever be a bad thing I feel so much better in life now than I did then but of course, you still have to get work done. You still have to get things done. This is not, absolutely not me sitting here saying like, fuck your work, just go sit and binge things on Netflix because no, I do not believe in that at all either. But you have to find a system that works for you. That's all it is. Time blocking, making your to-do list. Time blocking is great because if you give yourself an allocated time slot to start and finish something, you're so much more likely to actually get it done because you're going to get it done within that time frame. You're going to prioritize the time block rather than just aimlessly working without a deadline. If you just work and it's like, yeah, I could just gallivant and whatever throughout the day, things tend to get prolonged or pushed back because without a deadline in place, without a time slot in place, we tend to procrastinate. So figure out your tasks, figure out what you have do you know for work and whatnot and make your time blocks and then also make sure to make blocks in there for breaks lunch rest going for a walk whatever you need to fit in there that gives you something to look forward to something to just feel good about I can't wait for lunch after I finish recording this episode that is for a fact okay nothing feels more productive than completing a work focused time block and then getting to go on to your next thing like oh my god the alarm goes off or the notification goes off that you have like 10 minutes left and you actually get it done and then you get to be done and just go on to the next project like chef's kiss we absolutely love that um and then I also mentioned to-do lists now my favorite way to organize to-do lists is by writing out everything that needs to be done in order of importance so give your tasks on your to-do list a hierarchy And select the ones at the top to be the ones that are non-negotiable. Now, the non-negotiables absolutely have to get done today. And you cannot go to sleep and end your night until they are complete. Now, whatever is not a non-negotiable can also get done within the same day. If you get them done with your non-negotiables, that's amazing. That's a highly productive, awesome day. Congratulations. But... They're not your non-negotiables because those tasks can wait for tomorrow if they have to. So you can do them today, but it's okay if you get them done tomorrow. And then with those tasks, whatever was not a non-negotiable from your to-do list that does not get done today becomes a non-negotiable tomorrow. So if it was number five on your to-do list today and it did not get completed, it becomes number one or number two on your to-do list tomorrow. You don't leave tasks to be done for three, four, or five days, or even worse, a whole week. Like nothing should be on your to-do list for more than two days. That's it. 
That's when that feeling of not doing enough comes in. That's when that guilt comes in. So the goal is to always have your to-do list banged out in full in one or two days. Not a non-negotiable today? Fine. It becomes a non-negotiable tomorrow. So do not start to push that like not as important tasks off for three, four, five days. No, that's when you're going to start to feel that guilt. I also love to break my to-do list down by specific action steps rather than one general task, like cleaning your room, okay? Cleaning your room should not be how the goal is written on your to-do list, how the task is written on your to-do list. It should be broken down by specifics. Wash the sheets, make the bed, dust the furniture, vacuum the floor, do the laundry, okay? Specific things to be done within that bigger goal. Even if you want to write out big, clean my room, make bullet points underneath that so that you know you're tackling each part. And it could even just be for the sake of the visual, you know, it could even just be for the sake of seeing yourself check it off. And that's just giving you that little bit of feeling productive and just feeling accomplished because you got that specific action step done. Also, if you really want to master, like absolutely master the to-do list, make use of calendars, okay? It sounds so simple, it sounds so obvious, but sometimes the most obvious things are often overlooked. This is how you'll be able to see on a daily basis what's urgent and what's not. You know how I said, make that totem pole, you know, make the hierarchy of from one to whatever, listing out your to-do list with non-negotiables at the top. If you don't have certain things written on the calendar, you won't even be able to make that list you know, at all, you won't even be able to figure out the hierarchy, okay? This allows you to see, like I said, what's urgent and what's not. When I don't add something to my calendar because I convinced myself I'll remember, I regret it every single time. And I do this all the time. I don't know when I'm going to learn. Maybe this will be my pivotal moment. This will be the day that I change. But I find myself always scrambling through texts and emails to figure out when is this thing happening? When did we agree to? Did she even give me a date? Now I can't even rem remember. So I always regret every time I don't use my calendar. But when I do use my calendar, when my calendar is filled up and everything is written out, the visual makes such a difference. And that in itself helps me even just get my to-do list in order to begin with. I cannot get my to-do list together without knowing exactly what's due and when it's due. So the calendar comes first, then the to-do list, then the time blocking, which I basically said those three things backwards because I mentioned time blocking first, to-do list second, calendar third, but that's just the way that they came to my head as I was thinking of things and just talking through it. But as I now really work through it and actually think about it, they're supposed to be flipped. So I want to make note of how important that is and how important this order will be for you and how life-changing doing things in this order will be. Think of those three things like a system. Calendars, to-do list, time blocking, okay? So getting your dates organized on the calendar to figure out what's urgent and what's not, that comes first. This is on a large scale. Weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever. Then... On a smaller scale, on a daily basis, you organize your to-do lists based on 
what you just put out there based on those dates, based on your calendar. So based on the larger scale, weekly, monthly, quarterly, etc., you can make your daily to-do lists. And then you break it down from there. You break it down from top priority, non-negotiables, to least priority and willing to negotiate getting it done today. Then from those tasks, okay, you create your time block for the day, okay? So once you have the to-do list and you know what needs to get done, you're able to make those allocated time slots for the day and you're able to get your to-do list organized by day and time and hour and minute and how long you're going to spend on it and so on and so forth so you know when you're working on each task and that will alleviate any stress that comes from being unorganized working aimlessly, working without a deadline. So if you struggle with that, with the whole idea of working without, you know, a time block and you start to procrastinate and all that, this is the system that will help you get there. Because instead of being unorganized and working aimlessly, you're going to be able to look at your to-do list, take the task and give them time slots, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, one hour, three hours, four hours, two hours, an hour and a half, whatever that might look like. And then you're gonna feel so much better about your day. You're gonna have something to visually reflect on and you're just going to see yourself knock things things off, complete your time blocks and just feel so much better. So there's that. We are done with that, but we are not done with the episode because now we're going to get into a Dear Victoria submission for today. If you girls don't know, I accept submissions from you girls who need advice, who want to share their situations, just get a little bit of insight. And I typically answer the ones that relate to the episode topic. So they might not necessarily go in the order that I receive them, but I answer them when the topic is relevant. I always ask that if anybody is submitting a story or a scenario to get advice that they keep it short, sweet, and straight to the point. If it is way too long and way too detailed, we will not be able to get to it in an episode. It's just a lot to read and a lot to share. So condense as much as possible. And you could send these to me through email. I do not accept them on DM, only through email. And that email address is victoria.forthegirlspodcast at gmail.com. So let's get into today's submission. Dear Victoria, this is a bit of an interesting one. I'm 24 and still living with my parents as I haven't locked in a real career yet. I've done different jobs, but nothing is necessarily what I want to do or want to be my life's career. I'm lucky and fortunate enough to have parents that can still support me, but I feel like a child relying on them for money when all of my friends have big girl jobs and have more adult responsibilities. I feel so behind in life. I love the idea of living on my own, having my privacy and taking care of myself, but I just don't see it happening in the near future. My parents love having me home still too. So should I just let this coast for as long as I possibly can? Or should I overcome my insecurities and get my shit together? I love this question and it might not be 100% on this exact topic, but I just felt like it pertained to the scenario because it, it still has something to do with feeling behind, not feeling like you're doing enough, not feeling like you're accomplishing enough, not feeling like you're getting enough done. This is so relevant, so important, and I am just so happy to answer this question. Speaking from somebody who is 29 years old, moved out of my parents' house at 23, and not only did I move out and like move within the same city, just in a different place, 
I moved to a different state. I moved from their house in Staten Island straight to Tampa, Florida, then to Miami, then to Hoboken. I bounced around for a few years. And while I'm so grateful that I did it then, and I'm just so grateful for the experiences that I had, there have been so many times where I've been like, damn, I wish that I would have just stayed home with my parents for as long as I could have possibly done it because my parents would have loved to still have me at home. I will never live with them again and I will never be able to get that time back. And I do feel like 23 was quite young to move out, even though I know people move out at literally 17, 18 years old. I mean, I did for college. I went away to college at 18, but I mean, people move out full time, never live with their parents again after 18 years old. And that to me is like, what? Like, you're such a baby. I don't, I don't understand it. But now as I'm 29, I think back to being like, why was I in such a rush? Like when I was 22, 23, that was like my goal. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to make enough money, save up enough money to move out like right away. And at that time, I don't think that like you realize how much you're not to say regret it. I don't want to say regret it because I'm so glad that I made the moves that I did because I think that they helped me and shaped me so much as an adult. But you don't realize how much you're going to like look back and be like, why was I in that rush? You don't think of it at that age. At that age, you're like, I can't get out soon enough. Like, I just want to be a big girl with like my big girl job and my big girl money and I don't want to rely on anyone and I want to have my own place. And I was just in such a rush. And now like it makes me sad because I'm like, Those were the years that I could have just saved up so much money. Oh my God, rent is not cheap. And not only rent, just living alone. Because then that's it. Like your parents are not supplying that fridge. They're not paying for your groceries. They're not taking care of your bills. Like I don't, I did not realize how good and how easy I had it made. Because yeah, like I did pay for some things. But I didn't realize that like I always had a full fridge that I did not supply like those things just don't really dawn on you at that time and I'm like I was in such a rush to spend so much money I could have saved so much money and same thing my parents would have loved to keep me at home for as long as possible they were so upset so heartbroken when I left I know it was really hard on them and they were really strong for me because I was so excited and so happy and it was something that I really wanted to do but I also always felt that sense of missing home. Like without even really realizing that that's what that feeling was. I kept moving around. Like I said, I bounced around a few times. I went from Tampa to Miami, then from Miami to Hoboken because I was always still looking for that feeling. Like I was always still missing home and feeling like just I couldn't find my place anywhere. I liked where I was living. I enjoyed the places, but I still always felt like something was missing and now I'm back on Staten Island where I'm originally from and I'm like this is the most comfortable I've, I've ever been <laughs> like this is the most comfortable I have been in life since I since right before like leaving Staten Island in the first place like from all those years from 23 to 28 those five years of not being back on Staten Island even though I was happy it's not like I was faking it I, I was happy I still felt something missing which is why I had to keep moving around to chase the feeling of being like complete and comfortable. Now that I'm back on Staten Island and close to my parents and with my family all the time, I'm like, oh, that was the feeling that I was chasing. (laughs) So now after having gone through that, I'm able to say like, do not rush, 
do not rush. It's not worth it. There's no need to rush. Everything is so expensive. You only live once with your parents. And if this is your time to continue it, then then do it, you know, because once you move out, chances are you're not going to go back home. Not saying it's impossible, but it's not really common that people move out and then move back with their parents. It's usually like once they're out, they're out. So there's no need to rush because this is it. Like if you, if your parents love having you there and you love being with them, then there should be no reason to want to leave just because you're playing that comparison game like I talked about in this whole episode. That comparison game, like I said, is so freaking deadly for no reason. Your friends are not ahead of you just because they have those adult responsibilities and big girl jobs. They just happened to find what they loved and wanted to do before you did. You might not have that yet. You might not know what career you want yet, but you have something even more special. You have something even more amazing and that's safety and security. Because above all else, you have a family that's willing to shelter you, to feed you, to take care of you, to provide for you. And there's just no better feeling than true emotional safety, emotional security, being physically safe, financially safe and secure. Like all of that is such a freaking blessing. I know that you're thinking of these things as insecurities, but it goes back to the question of, are these beliefs original or are they influenced by somebody else? And yours are indirectly influenced by somebody else. These are not original beliefs. These are not true insecurities that are deeply rooted within you. This is just you looking at your friends and feeling lack within yourself. So that's that indirect influencing. I mean, I don't think that you have shitty friends. I don't think that your friends are telling you that you're behind. I don't think it's that at all. If they are, then like get new friends. But if not, and you're just the one looking at them and you're becoming insecure because like you said, you're like, you know, I love the idea of having what they have. Then that's just simply influenced insecurities that can absolutely be overcome. Yes, of course, should you get your shit together? I mean, that's those are your words, not mine for lack of better terms. Yeah, sure, you can. But why force yourself into a job if it's not the career that you want for yourself and you don't have to do it. Like if your parents are letting you take your time, if your parents are enjoying you being there and they're not rushing you, they're not forcing you to figure it out, they're not putting pressure on you, they're not telling you, you got to get your shit together, you got to get out of this house, then why? Why settle for a career? I don't think people realize that you spend more time working on your business or uh, working your job rather than probably you will in your personal life. If you have a nine to five job, that is all morning through the afternoon into the early evening every single day that you're spending your time on your job. So why do something that you're not sure about? Why settle if you're not like 100% positive with what you want to do, take this time, like you said, should I just let this coast for as long as I possibly can? Yes, take this time to learn yourself, learn what you want, figure your shit out, but don't force yourself or pressure yourself to get your shit together today. There's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of in the first place for still living with your parents. I know plenty of people who have lived with their parents all this time, all the years that I was bopping around, moving around, my friends were saving up their money, having every meal with their parents. Like it's time that you'll never get back and it's money that you know you get to save and just memories that you get to make. Like there's just absolutely nothing, nothing shameful about that 
whatsoever. So don't even think twice about that. Maybe you might feel like you don't really have the most privacy, especially if you're dating. Like, I don't know if you have a boyfriend or if you're meeting guys. Like, yeah, you might not feel like you have the most privacy because you just have a bedroom in your parents' house rather than your own place. But so what? You will eventually. Just don't invite guys over. Just go out. Go to their place. Go out to dinner. Like, shouldn't even be thinking about house dates. So you don't necessarily need that sort of privacy right now. So instead of comparing those things to your friends and focusing on the lack, focus on the abundance and what you do have. Because what you do have is such a blessing that a lot more people wish that they had, honestly. You might not see it. You might not realize it because people are not verbalizing it or vocalizing it. People are not saying out loud. I wish I could go back to living with my parents. I wish I didn't move out that early or that soon. But take it from me as the queen of like who was in the rush to make the most amount of money, to move out, to be misindependent, to have my own place, to do my own thing. Those thoughts have come to my mind more than I could even freaking admit. The amount of times that I've thought about like why did I spend all this money in rent? Why did I spend all these years away from everybody? Why did I do all that? Again, it's not that I regret it. I'm so glad for what I did. But those thoughts definitely dawn on me. So trust me when I say you have so much to reflect on and be happy about and be grateful for and just seriously see as such a blessing. Remember, it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. If you can live life like that, you will live life in pure abundance mode. And that is the key. So stop comparing to your friends. Stop looking at what everybody else has. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. This is all just indirectly influencing insecurities that you do not need to have. And focus on yourself. Focus inward. Get to know you. Take this time to coast. Figure out what you love. What you want to do. And appreciate the serious 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 amount of security and safety that you have in your life right now and that is all we have for today girls thank you so much for listening until next time girls hey i'm charlene joint and you may remember me from season 18 of the bachelor and this is my husband andy hello together we host dear shandy a relationship podcast where we answer all your burning relationship questions and satisfy your guilty pleasure aka bachelor needs not only do we provide the best bachelor recaps in all the land so we're told but we even bring on your favorite couples from bachelor nation for live double dates subscribe to dear shandy we guarantee belly laughs razor sharp advice and to never take ourselves too seriously 